maybe I'll even start just a tiny bit further back, which is like, how did we land here? Just yeah. to give people a okay, little bit great. of context. Yeah, where do babies come from? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> let's see, four billion years ago. <laughs> hey, Jason, what's the first thing you think of when I say the word setups? You're not making chips <laughs> yeah, and you're right. not making money. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the biggest battles that can hold you back as a manufacturer. Absolutely. So enter the Lean Setup Guide from ProShop. Okay, what's that? This guide can help anyone, whether you're a ProShop user or not, but ProShop users have experienced a 50% reduction in setup time because the software builds these lean principles into their process. Yeah, so it's a totally free download. You can go to ProShopERP.com slash 50 and you can get your copy of the Lean Setup Guide. Bam. So Jason, I'm pumped for this episode, but before we can start it, I need the password. Is it CMMC? Yes, that's the password for this episode, and that was probably not very secure. <laughs> if the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metalworking Nation. This is Making Chips where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Welcome. Yeah, here we are making chips. Yeah, here we are, man. We are um, in the Zenger's man cave studio it's a continuation of what was an awesome inaugural seasons guest hosted episode with our guy paul exactly and we kind of left a cliffhanger about cybersecurity, and we're going to get into the step one and also get into the very deep end of the pool of cybersecurity, talking about cmmc today yeah. so what do you know about cmmc I thought it was CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Who yeah, is so like you don't know anything. Probably one of the best yeah. fantasy football players. Yeah, this is where you still write your passwords on your hand, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I should stop. It's just not that good. And then every time I shake hands, they have it. <laughs> right. It's just like how so to get So we're going to figure out how to get us past our really bad ways I of handling cybersecurity. I have to grow up beyond just thinking about fantasy football. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we have in the studio a couple of great guests that we're going to get into this. But before we go there, what are we going to talk about before we get into the heart of the episode? Yeah, so we're going to talk about what CMMC is, how to achieve it. And we're going to do a little bit of a spotlight here. So what is a leadership spotlight? Why don't we let Chelsea tell us? Yeah, the voiceover lady. In this community of manufacturing leaders, there's always somebody doing something amazing, but most of the time, it goes unseen. Making Chips wants to change that, one leadership story at a time. It's time to give credit to the best in the business. It's time to learn from our peers so we can all rise together. It's time for Making Chips to shine the manufacturing leadership spotlight. So who are we spotlighting today, Nick? Yeah, so this leadership spotlight was brought to us by our guests here. And I will ask Paul, who is this David Hannon? Is that how you say it? Hannon? Well, you need Hannah. to introduce that Paul is here. Well, Paul's here. Paul's here. Paul's here. Kelsey's here too. Paul's Thanks, been here Jen. so many hey, times. Guys. He requires no introduction. Okay, so maybe before we introduce the leadership spotlight, we should introduce our guests. Paul, Kelsey from Pro Shop. 
Hey guys, nice. good to Thanks be here. To they don't you. need a long introduction. They've been on the show a few times. Uh, they're great guys. They're literally driving the industry forward with everything that they do. So they're awesome. And they're going to put the spotlight on somebody named David Hanna. David Hanna. David is a very humble, but very successful shop owner. What I love about David is he just relentlessly executes on a plan, makes it happen, doesn't beat around the bush, doesn't mess around. So he bought a shop tiny shop, like two machines, one or two people, I think in 2008, maybe, and thriving shop today. But what's what I wanted to highlight, because I think it's what many shop owners are, are looking to achieve, is he has a five-year plan to exit. His general manager is going to take over and buy the business from him. Dave works about 10 hours a week now. He comes in, he does some stuff that he enjoys. Shop runs without him. He does plenty of golfing, hunting, vacationing, spends time with his granddaughter, just it's he personifies if you build good business processes, if you execute on the things that are important, you can have a fantastic balanced life. You're not putting in 80 hours a week, stress and fighting fires every day. So he's inspirational and aspirational. Yeah, that's a true leader right there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are jealous of David Hanna right now, including me. I definitely work a little bit more than 10 hours a week right now, but maybe someday I'll get there. And Dave actually did a webinar with us on delegation. So they can find that on our website. That was the article I reposted on LinkedIn. I really liked it. I really liked uh, one of the quotes from it. I can't remember it now, but we'll make sure in the show notes to have the link to that webinar. Yeah, I'd love to attend that. That would be good. Awesome. Okay. So let's jump right in to where we left off, Jason. Where did we leave off with CMMC? So let's take a step back before we go to CMMC. If somebody hasn't even started thinking about cybersecurity, so we talked in the previous episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's a long one, but there's some great nuggets in there. Please go back and listen to it. It's about the haves and the have nots. But we talked about just where to start with cybersecurity. So like if you hasn't crossed your mind, you haven't been hacked yet, but you're like, I'm afraid that that might happen. So where do I start from a cybersecurity standpoint? I know for me, the way I started was I took all of my digital systems like my ERP and my communication software, and it's all cloud-based. So if somebody ever took over our server, and this might not work for everybody out there, but if somebody ever took over our server, I'd just be like, have it because there's nothing on there that I need. But that might not work for everybody. So what would you think is the step one in making sure that you have a secure company? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll even start just a tiny bit further back, which is like, how did we land here? Just yeah. to give people a okay, little bit great. of context. Yeah, where do babies come from? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> let's see, 4 billion years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it's important. Is the Big Banger? Because there's this thing called the Big Bang, but there's got to be a Big Banger. So... <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. start so, at the beginning of cybersecurity. Is this a philosophy podcast? Can I go back podcast? too far? Yeah, what is no, this? no, that's a little too far. No, <laughs> okay. I want to start back a little bit when, yeah, cybersecurity has been a thing since Pong, right? It was like, oh, how do I get somebody's... No, anyway, <laughs> more recently than that, we've got this requirement that came down in 2018. So we're in 2023. 2018 was a long time ago. And the U.S. government was like, you know what? The U.S. has got to be better at this. We're jonesing on security as a nation and particularly our industry. And they came out with a ruling. They're like, yo, okay, look, Forget all this, everyone's winging it business. The National Institute of Standards Technology says there's a way to do this well. And here's the standard, NIST 800-171. It's like, here it is, ready, go. And basically nothing happened. Then they said, okay, now listen, we're serious about this. Because was it only a recommendation? Well, then they said, you have to do it. Okay. But we're not really checking on it and we're not advertising. So <laughs> it's like when they say like, no running by the pool. Nobody like, knows about it. That's right. Everyone's no running running. around the pool. Yeah. So that was literally 2018. It was like everybody who was in any kind of significant 
industry component that touched anything to do with the U.S. government. And this isn't like just manufacturers. This is everybody. It's like, you got to meet this. But it didn't happen. And it should have, but it didn't. So then it's like, okay, fast forward, where are we now? Well, now CMMC is coming out and it's going to be something that people are actually audited to. It's like, yep, you got to pay for somebody to come and say for sure that you're really doing it all, right? So, I mean, you asked the question, how do you get started? Well, I mean, you could start in the fairly heavy end of the pool by saying, yeah, we'll just take a quick breeze over the NIST standard. That should be no problem, right? It's only like hundreds of pages long. That should be fine. No, (laughs) but more seriously, it's a known fact that the majority of breaches and issues come from people taking inappropriate action. This is like email phishing. This is putting your password in a place you really shouldn't be putting your password, giving information to someone that you think, oh yeah, I can share and trust with this person, but they've already been compromised by something. So it's not that you don't trust them. It's that your information is getting out there. So first and foremost, if you're going to start somewhere, really start with like people's understanding of cybersecurity awareness. What does it mean? I talked to my mother-in-law and I'm like, hey, I'd really like you to have a password on your computer. And she's like, why? I don't have anything people want to steal. I was like, well, you have stuff from me. Like I sent you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I'll take a password. It was just an education moment, right? Like people should know. Yeah. One of the things that I tell my team is, and this is just so basic. If you get an email asking for information or to click a link and you are not 100% positive that this is legitimate, ask someone else. And then if you ask that someone else and they're not 100% positive, ask me. And I mean, I know that that's not everything that we're doing, but that is like the very basics of where I try to tell them to start because there's a lot of that out there. Yeah, fantastic starting point. Seriously, if everybody did that, that would be a huge reduction in compromises that happen out there. Good. Absolutely. Well, okay. Because these hackers are doing social engineering. They're on LinkedIn. They know oh, that yeah. you are the owner of the company. Oh, yeah. I mean, our employees get texts from me mm-hmm. saying, hey, I need you to do this thing. Yep. Here's a link. Yeah. And if you don't look behind the name that it says Paul Van Meter and you realize it's not actually Paul Van Meter's mm-hmm. email address or text number, they might just inadvertently do that thing because they think, oh, the boss has told me to do something. So, Paul, that's funny that you mentioned that about going on LinkedIn, because just in the past week, I received two emails that were supposedly from the president of two different cutting tool manufacturers. There were suppliers for them. Unrelated cutting tool manufacturers? Unrelated. They weren't related to each other. And I have never spoken to the president. I spoke to some of their executives, but I've never spoken to the president of these two companies. And they both wanted to me to contact them about a business proposal. And it looks completely legit. But the language was exactly the same. But apparently they went into LinkedIn and figured out who these people were. And I mean, it's just, yeah, they're doing some things that you never thought in the past that hackers would be doing. They're not doing it on such a mass level. They're doing it very customized. And it's a little bit scary. Yeah. Wow. It's that rifle wow. approach. Mm-hmm. Very targeted. And just noting that there's a lot of media fear or even the movies from 83 where it's like somebody's got the magic keystrokes on their keyboard and they're going to hack through your firewall. That's not the biggest problem. I mean, it exists, but that's not the biggest problem. It's literally the email you got from somebody who you thought, yeah, maybe I do know this person. Let's Mm -hmm. see what they have to say. Yeah. So I'm seeing this explosion of chat GPT and this very human AI. It's like unbelievable what it comes up with. We did a whole episode on it. You talked about social engineering. Do you think like the AI is going to become more and more deceptive and human mimicking a human and just more creative with how it gets you to think like maybe this is legit? Yeah, absolutely. It will be. 
it'll be parsing LinkedIn and your Facebook. So it'll send a fake email to your coworker that says, hey, great time at the party last night because that was on Facebook. Why don't you click this link? Here's the photos I took. Jeez. So talk about that'll be automated. I mean, yeah. this feels like the movies. This feels like uh, War Games in 1983. They got to make a new one where, where it's like <laughs> the 2023 version. Oh, and I think it's so interesting that we think we can spot this stuff. I think that's the other thing that happens is even when there's awareness, people think they can kind of spot this stuff from a lot of different angles. But in fact, it takes training, takes practice, takes knowing. And that's the starting point. Like Nick said, is AI an important tool in the cybersecurity equation that the enemy would be using in order to kind of bust through the walls? Yeah, I mean, from a technical perspective, the number of tools and mechanisms that they use at all different levels is astronomical. It's like hard to even imagine. And they're just being constantly invented all the time. Yeah. AI included or the types of tools. So I'd say, yes, it is a factor. And what you can just type into chat GPT and get it to do for you. It's like, hey, can you just break down someone's firewall for me? Who knows, right? Yeah. Like that may be the new deal. What about using it as part of the defense? And I know we're like, this isn't an AI episode, but we're so interested in it right now. Do you think there's going to be AI tools that kind of learn what the attackers are doing. It'll be AI fighting AI. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's like kind of like Star Wars and you got robots fighting robots. And Elon Musk, I don't know if you all saw it, him and I think maybe somebody else just kind of like made an announcement. Okay, let's put the pause on AI because there's a lot of implications as to its development. Yeah, have you seen that? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I haven't read the details of it yet, but I'd like to. I heard him say in in an interview somewhere that he's more concerned about that as like a global threat than nuclear war. Really? Yeah. I would have thought that nuclear war or robots would have been more of a threat, but like, that's interesting. That's crazy. Okay, so are you ready to get into this acronym we started the show with? Okay, so are we past general cybersecurity? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are tons of amazing resources out there for this kind of stuff. And the CMMC standard certainly has a huge amount. I mean, I'll put in a tiny plug for the CyberAB, which is the Cyber Accreditation Board, Mm -hmm. cyberab.org. They are the body that accredits all of the people who will be getting CMMC certified. And they got tons of good tools on there. There's lots of other tools out there, but they're the official body. So if you're like wishing you had a starting point and you don't necessarily want to go with your relatively insecure Google search for CMMC, Mm -hmm. start with cyberab.org. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, great starting point. That's always what we need is where do we start? I put together just recently, or no, not just recently, but I updated recently, a document. It's kind of like our business continuity plan. And cybersecurity is one of those things that comes into that. And I think it's something that every business owner should consider. What are my weak points and how would I put together some kind of continuation plan in case X bad thing happens, such as a hack? Okay. So yeah, let's move on to CMMC. So I think maybe we should start off with definitions. We got an acronym. We love acronyms here on Making Chips. It has nothing to do with the running back for the 49ers. Right. There you go. (laughs) So yeah, why don't you start us off with a definition of CMMC? Yeah. I mean, it started out with a cyber maturity model certification. So that was basically what it was supposed to be. How far along in their levels of maturity is any company in their cyber journey. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And basically what that was is for certain levels, certain industries, certain people, you can just be like level one. And that's baseline, 17 controls. This is how it kind of works. And then when you go to level two, it's like, oh, no, now we need 120 controls. Oh, that's kind of a big step up. And then even level three, which is kind of like 
whole next level stuff. That's, you got to do a retina scan to use the bathroom. That's right. It's MI6. That's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> How many different levels are there? Do you know? There's right now three. There's three levels. There yeah. used to be five with the CMMC 1.0. Now okay. there's 2.0 is the standard and there's three levels. Okay. So they consolidated and a few... They did. Well, it was very confusing. They went, CMMC 2.0 is largely based almost entirely on the NIST 800-171 standard. From the years ago, right? From okay. the way back. Yeah. And what's most relevant to machine shops probably is level two. Okay. That was going to be my question is, so if you're a machine shop that wants to make parts for the- Anybody for in government. Defense, anybody in government, you have to be at level two. Yeah. Whether it's defense, national labs- the energy department, whatever, you got to be level two. Okay. And is it only if you're making the parts directly and selling directly to those departments? Or is it if you're like a second or third tier subcontractor? All the way down. All the way wow. down. All okay. the way down. So, and there's a lot of job shops out there. They might not even know that where they are in the supply chain. And so they might lose a job. Yeah. Like, I don't know where my company is. Right. For all I know, we could have this. I focus on the sales and marketing side of the business. So, so with the supply side of, I would imagine the supply side like us, like would for you, probably, yeah. if I have a client and I'm selling them cutting tools and they are CMMC, say level two, because they are doing parts for the Department of Defense, do I need to be CMMC two also? No, I mean, the good differentiator here, I think, for machine shops in particular is what they call controlled technical information, okay. CTI. I'll throw you another acronym. Okay. And that's because these companies are, in one form or other, getting information. Usually, it's technical information, right? Because your machine shops are building something technical. Yeah. And with that information in mind, that's the part that's really controlled. Okay. Understood. Now, it turns out the technical information includes all kinds of stuff, like how you build that drawing. Sure. So there's been ITAR. You probably heard of it. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. So that's a very specific slice of technical information. And this part that's being controlled now, going with alphabet soup here, but CUI, controlled unclassified information, that is what now is being handled with the CMMC. And that includes things that these machine shops are generating themselves. So you start to put in like your work holding plan, and the cutting tools you're using, not from an ordering perspective, but how you're machining the sure. parts, that turns out to be like pretty clearly falling yeah. in this controlled technical information. Yeah, and as a point you made in the last episode, to know how to make something is in many oh, cases proprietary for more sure. valuable yeah. than just like having the CAD model for the thing. Because like how you make it is that's where the money's made, right? That's the secret yeah. sauce. You put a lot of time into developing those processes. At what point is that machine shop going to lose these orders if they don't get the proper certification? Is yeah. there a timeline that's in place at the moment? And I know this could change. Yeah, I mean, it can change, but I'm pretty sure they're still on the May timeline is the last I saw where it's going to start to begin to May show up of 2023. May of this year. You should start to see the requirements of this actually flowing into government contracts. Yeah, so this episode might actually release in May. Wow. <laughs> so you might need to get going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would imagine, I do know I've got clients that do work for the Department of Defense, and I know that they're already talking about this. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean... It's not the case that, well, that anybody wants the defense industrial base to come to a grinding halt in May. Like nobody's going no, for that. No, they're right? not going to let that happen. Yeah. So they got to roll it out at some point. They're going to start rolling it out. Like I said, they kind of telegraphed this from 2018, just that right. people weren't listening. And so now they're like, okay, now we're really serious. And now they're going with, hey, 
for starters, you got to tell us where you are. Okay. So you have to submit what's called an SPRS. Okay. If you're going for level two. And that means that at least they understand where you are. What does SPRS stand for? So it's actually a scoring system. Okay. And you answer a lot of questions and basically get yourself a score that indicates what your maturity. So going back to CMMC, right? It's the maturity of your current cyber program. So it's like a credit score almost. Like your credit score tells you like, are you good at managing money? This score tells you, are you good at protecting yourself from cybersecurity threats? Exactly. And they want everybody moving up. So you don't have to actually have the certification. You just need to be on a trajectory. Right. And it's a bit complicated because everything's been a bit rushed and there's not that many people who can certify. They're graduating more. Sure. All the time. But I think the low estimation is that there's like 200,000 companies that are in the defense industrial base. Right. Right. They've got hundreds or thousands of auditors at the most. Right. So it's like, oh, this is like at this pace, it's going to take a long time to get everybody certified. Are these going to be third party auditors, say for like ISO certification or direct auditors like the IRS? No, it's going to be third party. Okay. Yeah. They call them C3PAOs. C-3PO? C-3PO, yes. (laughs) He's a robot yeah. Okay. And are most of these probably also doing auditing for ISO and ITAR and many of these other certifications or not necessarily? I think a lot of these folks are coming from the security industry at large. So they have a lot of security and cybersecurity So these are IT folks for the most part that are doing the certification. Yeah, it's interesting because there are physical components. Like obviously you need to keep your back door locked. Like if you just got that wide open and anybody can roll in and get your information. Oh yeah. So th- there is the physical security side. We saw side. that change years ago with the security measures going up with our clients. Yeah, right. And it's like, okay, everybody's fobbing in and you need to know who's yep. coming through the door. And so there are real physical components. It's not all just ethereal kind of stuff, but the security of it does end up being largely on the digital side. So if I go back to my time in school, there was a way to pass a test, even if you didn't really know the information. Like you kind of learned the Keep rules. Doubling C and uh, you get, yeah. you get a few. Or just yeah. kind of like, I know how they structure the test and I know kind of like what the teacher's looking for. And I probably couldn't even regurgitate the information, but I just knew how to get this passed. So with this level two or level one, like, is there any way to like kind of figure out how to pass or do companies figure out how to like check enough boxes? Are you asking to if get you could fake it? Yeah, can you fake it? No, Nick, you cannot. I don't need Kelsey's input on this one. You cannot fake this. You can't fake CMMC. It's pretty Loctite. <laughs> and I'm not saying like, oh, I'm trying to. It's an interesting question. It's not a it? multiple choice test, Nick. <laughs> it's an interesting question. Actually, Kelsey and I were bantering this about as we were planning for this. So there are some parallels to, let's say, AS9100 certification. Okay. There are definitely companies out there that hold a certification that don't actually do all the stuff really all that well, but they manage to pass an audit, convince the auditor, get around the questions, show them just the data they wanted them to see, so they got the audit. Yeah, that's the parallel I was going for. Right. right. So that happens, right? People are certified that if they actually had a full-on real audit digging into every corner of their business, they would fail. There's no doubt about that. So there likely might be some people that try to do the same thing with CMMC, but the real risk with that is then if you're not doing all the things you should do, you actually are less secure, which means you're more vulnerable to risks and attacks. With the companies that sort of fudge their AS9100, when they have to do a research, they will go rush and try to get everything clean and get the paperwork in order maybe a couple of weeks or a month before their next audit. And you could possibly do that with EMC as well. But there's that period where you're not doing all the things that you're supposed to do and you're just 
genuinely less secure. So it's and just a really bad idea. You're probably not better off for sure. by not investing that time and money into just making it an ongoing part of your culture and your processes. You're probably costing yourself more by halfway doing it at the last moment. I mean, to go back to the school parallel, there was every month you had a test and I knew how to pass those. Right. But then the final exam. Right. Now you got to like really remember everything. And, and then the final exam might be half the grade. Sure. So it's like, crap, I failed the damn class. Well, and I think that's hilarious you say that. But I think that that's totally the situation with something this complicated. Like we're not talking about being able to just like check a few boxes or like know the deal. I mean, the number of different types of things you have to do are significant, but they're also things that you do in some other way or do differently now. Like everybody logs into their phone or their computer or whatever. It's just we need to do it in a specific way with a specific security mechanism that is way more, exponentially more secure if we change those habits, right? So I think that's a significant piece. And I think that we are so likely to, as humans, take the easy path, right? Like if it's available, let's take the easy path. But that's where the holes start. And if the path is too difficult, people will do sort of an end around. They'll just like choose a different way. Sure. I think it's a security risk to make things too cumbersome or difficult to use. Yeah. So is this an effort thing? Like if you put the right amount of effort, you will be secure. Is this one of those things where you can just high effort is the answer? I think that the general consensus in the security industry is more like it's not if something will happen, it's when and how bad will it be. Gotcha. And everything we're doing is pretty much to make it not very often and not very bad. Gotcha. So if it does happen, it's like, whatever, we were able to fix it before they're ransoming us for all of our customer data or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Limiting your exposure because the chances that you're going to have a long-term business at this point in 2023, that you're going to have a 10 or 15 year run without a single security incident is basically zero. Would you recommend a company that is not planning on doing work for an entity that requires CMMC to still go through that type of certification just so that they can kind of maintain the integrity of their operations outside of that? I think there's lighter weight ways to get a lot of security into your business than going down the full CMMC path. So I wouldn't say this is for everyone, this certification. I mean, on top of everything else, there's actual costs to getting certified, that kind of thing. But the thing to think about is that many of the tools that they're requiring you to put in place are actually really good tools. And they're what's going to save you from the ransomware attack. They're the one that's going to limit your exposure when you do have some kind of security incident. So you say lighter weight and lighter weight or not such a mountain you have to climb. And I think that's attractive to manufacturing leaders because they have their manufacturing business to run. They can't spend a thousand hours trying to protect themselves. Yeah. So some of the basics would be like, just turn on two-factor authentication on every software you use. Every time it asks you, hey, do you want me to text you this code? Just say yes. Yes. I mean, it's usually a setting. A lot of CRM systems and ERPs, whatever, may or may not have it. But if it's available, turn it on. Okay. Massively different threshold. Two-factor authentication sounds like it's just a buzzword, but from a security perspective, it's huge. Oh, it's yeah. It's a very, very, very Just to make sure everyone knows hurdle. what we're talking about. Like, you put your password in, then it's like, oh, I still have another step. And it can be like, oh, geez, I got to get a code in my email or a code in my text. I don't know the numbers. Maybe you guys do. But that probably cuts a huge fraction of 
threat out of the equation. Yeah, or you have an authenticator app. Yeah, which right. yep. there's a lot of software platforms that are moving away from the emailed code and the text code towards that authenticator app or physical hardware keys. Yeah, I assume because they're more secure than a text or the or an email. Secure, yeah. yeah, like the thing I have on my keychain. That thing. Yeah. Then you're kind of like drawing that line between. Well, I'm asking my team members to utilize their own personal devices in order to secure the corporate information. Yeah, information. So like, what do you do with that? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now do I have to go buy cell phones for everybody? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. No, there's much less expensive ways to do that. There's these fairly small on your keychain kind of devices. I think that the entry level ones are like 30 bucks. Okay. And they're a great two-factor method. Okay. Not every tool will support that. But that physical hardware key is a very lightweight and probably industry best practice kind of situation for two-factor authentication. I mean, the authenticator apps are great and there's lots of pros and cons to everything, but a physical key that you have is very high level of two-factor security. Okay. Is there something that's built into the ProShop software that will help to accelerate the CMMC adoption? Yeah, I mean, there is. And I think that anybody who's out there looking at what kinds of tools are they going to need to implement should be really asking a lot of these questions of the people that they're working with on these tools. And I think a great way to get going if you're a shop owner and you're looking for new technology, especially in the software side, and you're pretty sure that it's going to be housing some of your key information is to start asking for a shared responsibility matrix. That's what they usually call it. And that's basically how much of this do I as a machine shop have to take on? And how much is the technology that I'm purchasing or subscribing to going to take on my behalf? Okay. Okay. So that's a significant piece. So if I'm a shop and I'm considering a new ERP system or my first ERP system, and I'm talking to you guys, there's a matrix. Do I need to create the matrix? Does it already exist? No, no. You want to ask the vendor, like in this case, if you asked us at ProShop, we'd send you all 120 requirements from the CMMC and we'd outline exactly how ProShop helps and what you're still responsible for as a machine shop. Yeah, like we're not going to come and lock the back door of your business, but we are going to check all these boxes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sorry, we don't do locking doors. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think that that's important to know because especially for somebody looking at a new ERP system and they're doing work for the Department of Defense, they might have an old ERP system. They might have QuickBooks. I mean, you just never know. And they need to adopt something that's going to help accelerate them into that CMMC level two. And so this is definitely beneficial to know. Yeah. And in the shameless plug. No, we're asking you for a shameless plug. You guys have been a great partner making chips for many, many years. So make your shameless plug. (laughs) So with a company that has a current system or looking for a system, if they are serving the government at any level, whether it's tier one, tier two, three or four, and the CMMC will apply to them. Sometimes the choices are super clear because their current technology just literally doesn't support the minimum requirements. Like something as simple as two-factor authentication. We do that and other ones don't. Or minimum password complexity regimes. Right? If you can put password as your password <laughs> and your ERP allows that, that is clearly not going to pass. So sometimes that makes the research really simple. You can cross out half a dozen systems right off the bat if you start with those security questions. But yeah, with Kelsey's leadership and seeing this years ago, we've spent a ton of significant amount of development effort in literally ticking off a lot of those 120 controls just with features that we built or systems that we are offering or about to offer. And we do think that gives us a really big advantage over our competitors or many of them who just don't have this as much on their radar. So the 120 controls, 
like if I read them, are they obvious, like locking the back door or do some of them require some consulting or advice or explanation? I'm so glad you asked that because this is actually where I think I feel in some ways the most passionate about what I want to save small manufacturers from experiencing, which is like, sure, we can bring a cybersecurity consultant in. And since I don't know anything about cybersecurity, I'm a manufacturer, we'll just pay them to do whatever needs to be done. But the problem is that could easily be a $100,000 check you're trying to write or more. And you're like, wait a minute, my revenue is like $3 million this year. 100000 is a huge yeah, deal. Yeah, I was going to buy a machine tool and now I got to pay this guy to tell me how to not get hacked. And it's even the case that you think maybe that's the end of it. It is so not the end of it. If you don't implement some of your own systems and some of your own controls locally, you're just going to pay every month, right? So you got the hundred grand to get certified. It's not done, right? You're now dependent on all these other things that are outside of your control. Maybe you didn't know anything about, and you're relying on this check to be written every month to hold that down. And that can be big or small. There's always going to be some tools, some things you're going to need to do and pay for, but it can be a huge difference. When big changes like this happen, there's business opportunities for companies to get in. And there's been a flood of security companies that are coming in and trying to get company manufacturers to sign up for their services and their products. And it's incredibly expensive. And I think there's really good ones out there for sure, but there's a lot of shysters as well. Or even to be a little bit more generous, just folks who are, every company's a new company, so we'll do it all from scratch for you. It's like, yeah. The possibility of spending 250 bucks an hour for them to sit there and tell you about two-factor authentication really adds up fast. Yeah. So our goal with a lot of what we're offering is to take $100,000 bill down to maybe 10 or 20 because we can check off so many boxes ourselves that there's less they have to do with a consultant or yeah, with a third-party firm. Being a manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah, making parts. Making parts, yeah. yeah. And if you think about the systems that need to be in place for something like ISO or AS certification... This is basically another kind of certification. So you get to use a lot of the same tools, right? And if you have that, and like in ProShop, we support those kinds as well. This is another element. It's like, oh yeah, we're meeting the CMMC along with being AS certified or medical certified. This is like an easy flow into something we already know and do. Well, ERP software is, that's going to be one of the biggest, but like you've got your CAM software, you've got your CAD software, you've got your communications platform. What do you know about how CMMC is going to work with some of those types of systems? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because they really do follow the information itself. So it's like anywhere you have this information stored or viewed or... So like CAM? Yeah, so CAM data is a good example, right? Like you got a 3D solid model, you got it from the customer, you got to store it somewhere. Well, if you store it on your local server, then that definitely has to have all the controls that go along with that kind of storage. And then if somebody puts it onto their local machine to do some programming there then that definitely has to be completely covered in every way. And so you can get this kind of massive expanse. So we call it the footprint, right? What's your footprint of this controlled information? And the more you can minimize the footprint, the much cheaper and easier it is to do. You so, can have like six deadbolts on your front door and then a cardboard window. You know, it's like, <laughs> that doesn't help you. <laughs> and Jason, you said earlier, if they came in and stole your server, it's not a big deal because everything is cloud-based. Yeah. So that's super insightful comment. And that's how we're kind of thinking about it as well. So we have clients, even so two that most recent few months have basically said, yeah, if someone came in and stole all our computers in the middle of the night, it would suck to rebuy them, but we're not going to have a breach of sensitive data because we literally don't have any CUI on any of our shop computers. It's all on the ProShop cloud in a GovCloud instance. 
And there's some unique things about the way we do file management and file storage that really is in compliance with CMMC to have like two-factor authentication, security groups for different employees that have like minimum levels of access that they can see data or access data. And almost this concept that you don't have anything digitally stored within your company that is controlled and classified. And that minimizes your footprint to an enormous degree. CUI, confidential, unclassified. Controlled, unclassified oh, information. Man, I thought I was going to so get B minus. Controlled, <laughs> unclassified information, B minus. Thanks for not failing me, Paul. We got to come out with that making chips guide to manufacturing acronyms. Oh, oh yeah. my God, no, sure. yes. We need to do that. More acronyms. So guys, this is like, really insightful and you've already adjusted my perspective quite a bit and i just want to say before we close the one thing that i just continue to grow in admiration with pro shop is you build like standards into your system so you follow the way you don't just provide nuts and bolts and tools and software you follow the way that you're creating and you kind of like stay on that path and you'll check the ITAR, AS9100, like quality management and CMMC security measures because you kind of like bake it into the system. It really is an operating system. And yeah, I mean, and we do it because we, having been in their shoes, we know how incredibly hard it is to run a manufacturing company today. And we want to try to make it as easy and stress-free as possible because it's important that these shops thrive. Our, Our national security, our national economy depends on it. And it sucks when all these regulations make it so difficult, but we'd like to make it just a little bit easier. Yeah, like it's just the standard that you follow. And by following the right kind of standard, you're compliant. Yeah, and that compliance can be relatively lightweight or it can be a real pain in your butt. So choosing the right path seems critical. Awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, please, and or if you have somebody at your organization that is concerned about cybersecurity, concerned about CMMC, you're doing work for the Defense Industrial Complex. Is that correct? That's the Defense Industrial Base, DIB. The DIB, DIB. The DIB. B minus two. You yeah, got a B minus two. <laughs> Forward this episode to them, please, and give them this information. It's going to be very valuable information. We appreciate it. And then also, how do they get a hold of ProShop? Yeah, why don't we have Paul tell us? Yeah, probably the simplest, proshoperp.com slash CMMC. Great. We have a bunch of details there about just what it means, what it means to manufacturers, features that we have to make it easier, and then a link to our new product, ProShop Safe, which is a significant new thing to control that CUI, that controlled and classified information in a way that we think will be much less expensive to other methods. Awesome. Great. It's Thanks, all about guys. keeping it simple. Yeah, because I mean, if... Running your business is do difficult. You're not going to be making a lot of chips. And if you're not making chips, you're not making not money. Making money. Bam. Bam.